Floyd McClendon's life path has taken him to many amazing places, but he had to learn to carve that path in the right ways. See, for someone who was raised with an extreme value of discipline, you would think that success in college, excelling in basketball, and a career in the Navy SEALs would be a breeze. But each time Floyd tried to achieve his goals, he found he had a hard lesson to learn. The stuff that you put out in the world, uh, you're going to get back. Right? Right. So here it is. I'm putting out like, look, I'm, I'm pissing on the Navy. Oh, I'm just using you oh gosh. to get what I want. <laughs> right. Right? And then I'm out. Humility is a hard pill for any of us to swallow. Even more so when you have incredible talents and a stronger work ethic than anyone in the room. So for Floyd McClendon... It was the ultimate challenge. Welcome back to Kava. Welcome back to Kava the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. Floyd learned discipline just as soon as he learned how to speak. It was an everyday part of his life. And right, I had to clean the house every week, wash the cars, oh, wow. mow the lawn. You know, as soon as it snowed, I, you know, I, I shoveled the snow, break the leaf. Like I, I, I worked. Okay. Right. I, I mean, you know, my, my dad was a he had a beauty salon. Every Sunday, I would have to go and clean the entire beauty salon. It took me about three, four hours. Oh wow. Right. You know, and I would get paid like fifteen dollars for it. Wow. Right, which is unheard of at that particular time. Right. Right. And definitely unheard of now when it right. comes to, you know, the amount of the money that it would cost in order for that to happen. Yes. You know, um, and I'm talking a pretty big facility, about eight chairs. Like, you know, I have, Good golly. Um, you know, windows and mirrors. And, and in the back, you have like the three shampoo areas. And, the, and I mean, it was a it took me about three hours, you know, uh-huh. and then I would go early, finish that. And then I would go to basketball practice, you know, for a couple hours. But. So I had discipline, Mm -hmm. and I knew what it meant to work hard. Floyd grew up on the south side of Chicago. He found that he had to prove himself in a number of different environments. On the way to school, at school, then at church, which was nearly every day. Interestingly enough, his mother was already planting seeds of the humility that would guide him through these various environments. So who was in your family of origin? Um, so my, my dad, I'm a junior. My dad is, okay. is you know, Floyd Gene McClendon, um, a junior. And then he's from, like, he mostly grew up in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my mom, um, Maxine McClendon, she um, grew up in Mississippi. Okay. Uh, you know, Natchez, Mississippi. Yes. So, they migrated to Chicago. Oh, wow. Right, separately. Okay. Separately, oh, wow. yes. And they met in Chicago. 
Oh, fabulous. Yeah. And, you know, they got married and about a year later, I, you know, I came, I came aboard before that. My mom had, um, she already had my oldest brother and okay. my sister. Okay. And then um, my dad, he had uh, two of the sons before they met. So I have three brothers. Okay. One sister, I'm the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the like the origin where I come from. Like my mom's origins from Mississippi. Uh-huh. You know, my dad's origins from like you know Arkansas, Tennessee. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. So did you grow up in Chicago? Born and raised. Oh wow! Yes. What was that like? Born and raised. It was. Hmm. So my mom taught me to how to wear different hats. Mm. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So I'm, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm mm-hmm. 47. Um, and where we grew up, it's a bad neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. we, like, you know, we started out, I grew up in the projects when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, we eventually moved out as I got a little bit older, um, you know, like in, in my teens. But very strong church foundation. I grew up as a seven-day Adventist. Okay. Um, so, you know, we, we worship on Saturday. Right. Um, and then I went to a public school. So here it is. I'm in all these different environments, mm-hmm. constantly flowing through these different environments. Right. Right. So I go outside my home door and, you know, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of South Side of Chicago and, and all the negativity with, you know, gangs and, and uh, drugs. And the time that I grew up, guns weren't really into play. You know, it was more like bats and knives and things like that. Uh, but still, they were, you know, dangerous. Right. So it was being able to navigate the streets. But then also, once you got to school, you know, navigate being a student. You know, I was right. an honor student. And then once you got to church, navigating being a Christian. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, you know, my mom made it very clear that I need to be able to wear different hats in mm-hmm. order to, you know, kind of flow through an environment and be successful. Right. So that was kind of, you know, kind of like the, you know, growing up, you know, I had to, you know, I had to learn because like really on the streets, it was one foot in just enough mm-hmm. to where, you know, I, I have enough, I've, I've built enough credibility, mm-hmm. you know, and relationships with, with, with people to where I don't get targeted, mm-hmm. but not so much to where I get sucked into the right and, and you know into the the whole that whole piece. Yes, right? so I was very very blessed in, in that particular aspect. And then it was you know going to church and you know being a Christian and doing those right. kind of things, and then going to school, maintaining you know your thought process to to be a good student. Right. So those things. So I would flow in and out of that. On top of this, Floyd also had to stand up for himself at home. He had to stand up for others, too. And then also, add on another element of, I grew up in, a, in an abusive home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my, my father, you know, he abused my mom, mm-hmm. you know. And then when I got to, I told myself when I get to a certain size, that'll never happen again. Mm-hmm. Right? And it did when I got to a certain size. So I grew up in, in that environment um, where I had to be a defender for, you know, my mom, for my siblings, you know, that you know that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Okay. That's okay, yeah. Okay. But it was, and, and it's funny because 
I would tell the story along my my campaign trail and when I do when I do talks and speeches. And I was talking to my dad, and he was like, you know, he was upset that I was right. that I was actually sharing right. this this kind of stuff. And right. Like, and I said, look, that was this is my history. Right. I'm like, you were a bad dude back in the day. Like, I love my dad. We right. Have, right. We have a good relationship now. Yes. Um, and I'm like, look, and I would have to I would have to tell him. Do you remember? Right. Right. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And he's just like, you know, he's kind of like, you know, you know, blocked it. I was like, bro, look, you're a bad dude. Is this shaped me to who I am? I was like, I don't have hold any animosity. Like, I'm not. I said, I love you. I've, I've let all of that go. I've forgiven wow. you. Right. I was like, but this is my story, and you're not gonna suppress my story. Right. So, wow. You know, whether you're awesome. on board or not. Right. You know, that's on you. And me being the youngest, so my sister, so the two brothers on my father's side, like they didn't live with us. Mm -hmm. But some but my but my mom, my oldest brother, my sister, the closest they were was seven years. Okay. And my sister, she actually jumped a grade. So she was gone to college by the time I was ten. Right. So I was in the house by myself right. from ten to 18. Right. Right. So that was a, a period of eight years that my siblings have no clue about and what went down wow. at home. And my mom wasn't going to share right. that kind of, right. kind of stuff. Right. And because I talked to, to my siblings today and they're like, I didn't know any of that stuff was going mm -hmm. on. I said, well, they knew it was going on when they were there because they were being, you know, abused as well, verbally mm -hmm. or things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I didn't never share that with you because I didn't feel the need to. Like, like wow. why would I, you know, share that with you? Because they look at my mindset sometimes and they're like, well, where did that come from? I'm like, well, it came from this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I look at myself because I've been a protector all my life. Forgiveness was a slow but powerful part of Floyd's life path. On other episodes of Kaval, we've heard people share stories of forgiveness, even when they've been hurt terribly. Floyd also saw the power of forgiveness in his life, and it brought him one step closer to a humble attitude. But it wasn't easy. All throughout high school, Floyd went head to head with his dad. And my passion was basketball. I was very good at basketball. Uh -huh. Very, very good. Um, I'll tell you a story. So... I knew when I went to high school that I couldn't play basketball because my dad had already said, you can't play sports because of our religion. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it violates. And I was like, okay. So I was 14. We had a church basketball team. Oh. But you couldn't play until you were 16. Oh. Right? Uh-huh. But I was good enough to where they waived me. And okay. they said, okay, you can play. So now here it is. I'm 14. And I'm playing against men. You know, 20, 30-year-old right. oh, wow. men, right? So so my 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 level rapidly, you know, yeah. went up, you know, it, it skyrocketed. So the guys on the team and the coaches was like, look, you gotta let your son play. He's very good and he can go places. Mm -hmm. This was freshman year. Was it freshman year? Well you're fourteen. Uh, Are you still fourteen? No, this is sophomore. Okay. Year. It's a sophomore year, because freshman year, I, yeah. Um, so this, no, because freshman year, 
I sat the bench the, the whole year playing with the church league. And before that, I played in the rec league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like the star player for my team and, all, you know, that kind of thing. So when I joined the church team and I sat the bench the whole year, I was pissed. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, you know, but what I didn't realize is I was learning the whole time, mm -hmm. you know, practicing with grown men and learning the concept of that and how to really play basketball, those kind of things. Right. Um, and then at the end of my freshman year, I went to Jordan camp, um, and then I learned a lot there. I played with the, the older group, learned a lot there. So I come back my sophomore year, and now here it is, I bloomed. Yes. So, because literally from my um, seventh grade to eighth grade that summer, I went from 5'7 to 5'10. Oh, wow. And then eighth grade to ninth grade that summer, I went from 5'10 to 6'1. So my freshman year, I kind of grew into my mm -hmm. size, and here my sophomore year, I'm starting to peak and really get good. Right. So my so the 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 guys in the league would say, "Hey, you need to let your son play ball because telling you he's good." Season had already started, and my dad was like, "All right, I'm gonna let you play." And I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> so I went to the junior varsity coach. I said, "Hey, look, here's my situation. I'm sorry I missed." Right. You know, tryouts, wow. and he was like, he's like, yeah, I was wondering what happened to you. I would see you playing around, but you never came out. And um, he's like, but okay. He's like, so come out to practice. We'll see how you do. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go from there. Monday after practice, he said, congratulations, you're on the team. Tuesday was a game. So I went to the game Tuesday night. I get home. My dad said, hey, I'm having second thoughts. I'm not really feeling you playing ball. No. Okay. But, you know, you're at an age where you can make your, make your make a decision, okay. so I'm going to go with that. And I said, well, I want to play. He's like, all right. So then Wednesday, I go to practice. Now, the protocol at that particular time, I went to Harold L. Richards uh, High School. Um, and the, the, the protocol at that time was you had to play two weeks before you could play in the game. Mm -hmm. So Wednesday, we went to practice, had a very good practice. Um, and the, the coach, junior varsity coach, he said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to have your practice jerseys. I'm going to have your game jerseys. Like Friday, you're going to be playing. So I go home Wednesday night. My dad sent me down and he says, hey, change your mind. You can't play I was like, what? <laughs> right? So so my so my mom's trying to um, um she's trying to, you know, kind of cushion. Yes. Well, you know, you know, you can play, you know, college and whatever. And so I'm so I, I broke down. Yes. Crying. Yes. Just just completely defeated. I wanna play basketball no more. Like, he's like, hey, you wanna to talk to the coach? And like, I'll I said, I don't want you to do it. So Thursday, I show up at practice and I tell the coach, I say, hey, coach, I'm sorry, but my dad changed his mind. I can't play. Right. So now this coach. At this point, varsity was already talking about pulling me up. They're going to pull me up to varsity. Oh, my golly. So now this coach thinks that this kid just, you know, pulled his chain Mm. And, you know, just kind of, eh, mm. right? Now, from a, a 
knowing what I know now as a father, mm-hmm. from an adult perspective, the, the proper thing to do would have been for the father to go to the school and talk to the coach and be like, hey, look, yeah, I created this and this is on me and just kind of want to let you know, man to man, coach the coach, right. you know, coach the student father. Right. right. That didn't happen. It was it was on the yeah. Wow. That coach never spoke to me the rest of my time in high school. Um. Right? So now that's over with. So now I'm just reduced to playing church ball. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so this is one of the stories I tell in my book, Hard Art Lessons, about some of the hard-earned lessons, right, right. you know, that that came about as a young man before I graduated high school. Right. Because this was all about um, being a man of your word. Mm. Yeah. And you weren't. Right. So, and this is the impact that it has. Yeah. In spite of this, Floyd saw that the reward of forgiving was greater than living in bitterness. I mean, it took some time. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It took to t- it took for me to become a husband, a father. Mm. You know, to to be like okay, because you don't really know, right? You you, right. you grow up and you know, like I would I would have like um, I would have spurred him spurred him on conversations with my dad when we have a good relationship, and and his position would be like, well, it's none of your business, or like you don't understand, right? That kind of mm-hmm. thing. But when I became a father. And a husband, right? Right. Then I really understood which the thought process of everything that would actually make that situation worse. Mm. Because now I knew, and I was like, "There's no way that I would, I would treat my wife or my kids this mm. way." And and my dad, I, I think, is an intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. So for an intelligent person who's very well read and educated to mm-hmm. treat people that you're supposed to love that way. Right. Like that, I mean, that I was like, you know what? Now I know. Now I know the kind of monster you were. And you know I know. Mm-hmm. And I need to let that go. Mm. Because it's going to affect my relationship. Right. With my wife right. and kids. And I was like, and I can't have that. So I let it go. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's more about yourself and right. saving yourself. Right. Then, right. you know, than, than the other person. Right. But before he started his own family, he had some life decisions to make. He went to the University of Illinois and still had a desire to play basketball, but struggled to balance his sport and his classes. So now I get to college and I'm really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to some, you know, my parents was like, well, you should wait, get your books. And then there was a few mentors in, in church, you know, who I valued their opinion. And they mm-hmm. said the same thing, you know, wait your first year, get your, your, your books under your mm-hmm. belt, and then go out your sophomore year and, you know, then walk mm-hmm. on, right? Mm-hmm. But my freshman year, I'm actually, you know, I'm playing in the intramural leagues. I'm playing, you know, football players will come out. Sometimes the basketball players will come out and they would play and I'm holding my and you know they're like hey you need to you need to come and try try and walk on like, nah, I'm away you know because I'm I'm listening to you know my mentors right. and, and the people who I value their opinion 
Right. The bad part about that was I didn't buckle down. I didn't study. Mm. The bad part about that was that the one thing that I wanted to do, had I went out and did it, mm-hmm. it would have drove me to buckle down and study because right. that's right. what I would have, you know. Right. Right. Um, so that taught me uh, an, another lesson, which isn't is it in this particular book, but that taught me to learn to go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Take in as much information as you can, but you have to process it on your own and make right. the best decision that you feel is right. for you. Right. Not your parents, not your friends, not your mentors, right? Not right. your spouse. Take in all their information and value it. But at the end of the day, when you make the final decision, it's on you. So right. if it doesn't work out, you can say, you know, mm-hmm. it was my decision yeah and you don't have the room to blame anyone else to say well i listen to you and you told me like right no. so that taught me a, a valuable lesson that, that that really um went into like how my naval career progressed okay so after that year i said well i don't want to stay at home in that environment i have to find an outlet and up until that point i hated the military was that because of your dad? My dad was in the Marines. Okay. Right? So here it is. He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's abusive. Right. He's this. Um, two of my older brothers were Army. Okay. Right? And their careers weren't necessarily successful careers. Um, in my mom's mind, stigma was the military's bad for you because look at your dad, look at your brothers, right? She didn't say that, right? but I knew that that was kind of like, she was worried, like, you know, if I go into the military, then I'm possibly, right? right? Um, So I was like, you know what? This is an option on the table now to go into the military because it provides me an opportunity to get away from home, to provide for myself, you know, to to grow into something that I want to become. Mm I didn't want to go into the Marines. I didn't want to go into the Army. I wanted to go into the Air Force. Mm-hmm. When I went to the recruiting station, the Air Force wasn't there. The Navy was there, so I walked into the Navy and I said, hey, tell me about the Navy. We got conversations. And then we pushed on, and then I joined the Naval Reserves because I'm like, you know what? I want to go back to school, but I'm going to fund it myself, mm-hmm. and this is the way to do it. Right. So I go to boot camp, I come back, I petition to go back to the University of Illinois, I get accepted for the spring, I go to spring, and I realize, you know what, I'm not ready. Mm. I'm just not ready for this. Right. So I'm going in active duty. Oh, wow. And how old were you then? I was, uh, so this was, so I went in, I went to boot camp when I was 18. Okay. Right? So then a year later, you know, I, I went active duty. Wow. So I go active duty. I was like, but I need to do a career where I can use and come out and, and be successful. Where I was looking to start to look. Right. You know, down the road on a little bit. Right. <laughs> so I had, I, I scored really high on my ASVAB. 
and I chose to be an electronic technician. Okay. Right? Now, here it is, I'm running away from school. Right. Don't want to go to school. No. Don't, right? Chose electronic technician the next two years. Guess where I'm at? School. I'm in school. Yay. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was running from this. Right. So literally for the next two years, I'm in school. I'm learning to be a radar satellite communications technician. Okay. Right? Which is awesome. Right. Like, it's, you know, it's an awesome field to go into. Yes. Um, so I get through that. And then now my active duty Navy career is off. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how, you know, that, you know, that all transpired. Wow. So was school different in the Navy than it was at a university? No. Okay. With the exception of, you know, you had hard timelines. Right. Um, from, it was structured. Right. Right. College is you structured. Right. And right. um, I just didn't have the experience of structuring. Right. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I wasn't taught that right. um, at home. Going to school in the Navy was exactly the balance he needed to succeed. But he still didn't exactly have the right heart toward this new life stage. I knew about discipline, but I just didn't have the structure uh -huh. for college to sit out and, okay, I need to do this this and this, mm -hmm. and I need to get more sleep and I right? The military, like the, the classes were just as tough. It's just that right. everything was right. was structured, right? And then you had the military piece of it to wear the uniform. And, right. Right, you had to show up for duty and do all this other mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, so yeah. So I went two years and here it is, I was in school again. I was like, you man, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Yeah. So, so after your yes, absolutely. Uh, so after your schooling, then what did you then work as that? Yes. Okay. So I got orders to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, to the USS okay. Kalamazoo, which okay. is uh, AOR six. So it was a auxiliary replenishment order. So what that means is we provided supplies and fuel to ships. Okay. Right. So we carried thousands of gallons of fuel, excuse me, we carry supplies and we would do what's, what's called underway replenishment. We call it unrep, where we would actually like be out to sea and then we would either fly over supplies to the other ship. And when we had to fuel the ships, we literally was side by side and would connect huge okay. hoses up and, and transfer the okay. fuel over as, as we're, as we're uh, traversing through the water. Okay, so is this all over the world? So this was, so I was... Or just in Virginia? So this was in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. But then also, too, we did it when we deployed. Like, okay. You know, we deployed over to the Mediterranean Sea. So, okay. Right? They, they call, we call it a, um, so on the East Coast, it's called a med cruise. Okay. Right? Where you deploy for six months with a battle group. Okay. And the mission of your ship is to supply all the other ships. Okay. Right. So and then yeah, so that's how that works. Okay. So I yeah, I went there. I was a radar technician. So I worked on a, a surface search radar, um, SPS six, the SPS sixty seven we called it. Okay. Right. So you know basically what it did was it just picked up, it, it picked up surface and low flying, um, like low flying uh, objects. Okay. You know so that way we won't hit anything or okay. you know, that, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I did that. 
for about, so I did that and then we, they, we decommissioned it because it was pretty old, but I was still within my sea duty. So the Navy has sea and shore duty. Okay. Right, and depending on your rate, so for me I was an ET, electronic okay. technician. Okay. Depending on your rate and your rank will determine your sea shore rotation. Okay. So I was an E4, which is very low rank, right? Um, a third class petty officer. And my C rotation at the time was four years C, and then like uh, uh, like three years uh, shore. Okay. So I was in the middle of my C duty when we decommissioned the Kalamazoo. So they pushed me to um, the USS John F. Kennedy CV-67, which is an aircraft carrier down in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Mayport, Florida, to finish out. And, I, and from there, I was also a radar technician, but I was also a satellite communications technician and a 2M tech. So mm -hmm. like uh, miniature repair, like circuit boards and things like that. Like I, okay. could, I could troubleshoot and fix. So um, yeah, I did that for four years. So now here it is. The Navy was just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to the Navy. I'm gonna use my GI Bill to go to college. Mm -hmm. When I get out, but I'm gonna pick up a trade that I can use to work and go to school. Mm -hmm. There's no way in hell I'm staying in the Navy and making it a career. Right. Right? So this is my mentality. Right. And I'm not quiet about it. Okay. Right? So I'm like, look, I'm just here to do this and I'm out. Right. Right? So I'm, I'm ignorant to the game. I'm ignorant to, um, I'm just ignorant, right? Because wow. I'm young. Right. I don't know any better. Right. I'm just ignorant to like, the, the stuff that you put out in the world, wow. you're going to get back. Right? Right. So here it is. I'm putting out like, look, I'm, I'm pissing on the Navy. Oh. I'm just using you oh, gosh. to get what I want. <laughs> right. Right? And then I'm out. Uh-huh. And this is my message to... My, my peers, my superiors, right? And I don't think that I'm being disrespectful. I just, look, I'm just being truthful. This is me, this is who I am. Like, I, I didn't, you know, but I wasn't understanding, mm -hmm. you know, the right. how it was limiting me Wow. from building relationships, right. from um, being able to, um, get opportunities right like doors open up right. right it's not like Floyd enjoyed school or joined the Navy because he was passionate about the military he was eager to make something of himself to build a career but little did he know that humility was the missing piece he was surrounded by people who could help him succeed but he had to learn to value those relationships um, so now I go to shore duty after my four years C and I get there and I built, I had built relationships with a, a group of, group of men, like, like nine, eight other men when I was at the University of Illinois mm -hmm. and four years has passed and I'm in this moment, right? And these guys are doing great things, oh. right? They've gotten their degrees. Like one's in law school, 
Another one is um, um, moving to be a professor. Another one's getting his PhD. Mm-hmm. Like another one is, is doing really well in a, in a government agency um, with uh, in the geospatial world. Like here it is, all these dudes. Another one, human resources, just you know, taking yeah. us. So all these guys who I'm connected with are starting to build and and build their legacy and do great things. And mm-hmm. here it is, I'm. Yeah. doing nothing so but we're we're connected I'm like you know what I need to start I need to grow up a little bit and figure out what the hell I'm going to do mm-hmm. so I can start contributing because I feel like I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. like based off of the circle I'm running right. right so I get to shore duty and I said well I don't like being an electronic technician what am I going to I'm like I don't want to go back to Chicago and go to school Right. I knew that it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to Chicago and go to school what am I gonna do? Like, like I'm like I don't know, but I got a little bit of time, sure duty to, to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Coworker of mine loves the Navy SEALs. I know nothing about the Navy SEALs. Um, I'm in the fitness right mm-hmm. at, at this point. You know, I have a couple certifications as a physical trainer. Like, I'm, I have my own like clients, and then I worked at a couple of gyms. So I'm like, hey, I don't know how to swim. Do you mind if I train with you? Hmm. I didn't know how to swim. Oh right? my God. And all I want to do is learn how to swim. Here, because I've been in the Navy for right. Right? I don't know how to swim. <laughs> I mean, I'll fall off the ship. I ain't dead. Uh, it's very difficult to fall off the ship. So then um, he said, yeah, man, you could you could train with me to learn how to swim. So I started to learn how to swim, but I also started to do research on Navy SEALs and mm. what they what they were for one and what they you know what they what they did and and then I'm like hmm this is interesting this might be something that I could I could get into mm-hmm. right I'm like but first I gotta learn how to swim right so I I mean this is back in the day where there was no internet so you had to go to bookstores and libraries and right you had to you had to basically do the 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 manual research, right? You know that like, the generation coming up has no idea, no, right? So I started doing the research, buying tons of books. You know, I'm reading nonfiction, fiction. I'm reading, I'm buying training books, wow. like all this. So I'm completely engulfed, right? But in the meantime, I completely shifted. This whole time, Floyd's passion for basketball still hadn't died. But when he tried to channel that into the military basketball league, he was forced to confront the reality that building relationships was inevitable. Now, let's go back a little bit because I still love basketball. Okay. I'm going to make the all-Navy basketball team, mm. which what they do is they, they have tryouts every year, and they pull people from all over the world in the Navy, mm-hmm. and... They bring them together, only a select group, because okay. you have to kind of interview to go to the to the to the um, to the to the training facility, training camp, and then from that group they will it down to the team that they want, and then that team goes and and plays against the other services all. Oh golly! Right, okay. all Marine, all Air Force. Right. right. They have that tournament, and then out of the branches they choose. They choose people they want to play for all armed forces. Uh-huh. And then all armed forces will go, will travel the world and play semi-pro teams. 
Okay. Right? So now there's exposure to semi-pro teams to pick you up when mm -hmm. you get out. And then from semi-pro teams, of course, the league is looking at, you know, right. options, right? So this was my path. Right. All Navy, all armed forces, semi-pro, NBA by the time I'm 30. Okay. I think I'm pretty, pretty good in mm -hmm. shape. Like yeah. you couldn't touch me, Pastor. I, I like in my from my perspective, I'm six two. Um, I'm a very good player. Mm -hmm. So my second year after playing all Navy, once again, I don't understand the game. And what I mean by the game, right. I mean building relationships. Right. 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 And 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 opening yourself up to opportunities in order for you to be successful. Right. Still not. I'm still haven't learned that piece yet. Right. My first year, I ruptured my Achilles. Oh. So, I come back my second year. I'm the best two guard that we had, mm -hmm. but because I haven't learned the game, I'm third string. Mm. And it all came to a head. One game, we were playing the Marines. Mm -hmm. And the Marines were just killing our guards because our guards were were small. Mm -hmm. And they just weren't strong, with the exception of, like, strong to the point to where they can handle the physicality of, of what was being presented to them, but I was. So I'm having a good game. Mm -hmm. Halftime comes. Our best player on the team who played um, college and semi-pro ball he tells the coach, he said, hey, we need to play Floyd some more because he's a, like, he can handle mm -hmm. what the guards are giving him and he's playing and he's actually performing. Him and me sat the bench the rest of the game. Oh my. Yes. I'm not understanding the game, right? And the, the, the guards, the two guards that were in front of me they had built an amicable relationship mm -hmm. with the coach. Wow. And it was more about who you like than who is capable, competent mm -hmm. in order to get the job done, which is also teaching me another lesson. Wow. So we get done, and I feel like I'm good enough to get selected for all armed forces, but I didn't. So now I'm kind of jaded. Mm. And I'm at, a, I'm at a crossroad because I can, and at the time, um, I was about to get married. Like the, the following year, like I was prepping to get married. I was about to really buckle down and go right. to school. And I'm like, you know what? And now I'm like, you know, this coach pissed me off. He's going to be there again next year. I got time for this. So I was like, you know what? I need to just move on. And, mm -hmm. but in the same time, the, 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 the window kind of cracked about the Navy SEAL stuff. So at the mm. same time, like I'm, you know, I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to pick up steam with research and training and mm -hmm. right. And then also too, my life is starting to, I'm starting to grow up. Right. So God has a sense of humor. <laughs> the all armed forces team come to my command to practice before they go to season and play some of the semi pro teams. Okay. Our Navy coach is one of the assistant coaches. I'm still deep in basketball. Mm -hmm. So I'm at the gym all the time. So they're practicing. So him and the head coach 
they come over and they like, hey, we want you to come out next year because um, we're going to bring you up mm-hmm. okay. to our armed forces. And I was like, no, I'm done. And they're like, what? I said, yeah. I said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm about to get married. I said, you know, I got to get my education. It's like, and I'm probably thinking about going the other route. And they're like, wow. Because it is, it is sunk into the all Navy coach, like, oh, this guy is, like, he realized, like, hey, this is, but they didn't know my personality. They didn't right. know, like, I'm just business. Like, even in the Navy, I was just, it, at that stage, right. I was just business. Right. If I go and I do my job and I do it well, right. then right. that's all that is required, right? Right. No. Right. That's not the game. Right. And that's how I was. And I'm like, you know, and you get labeled something negative. Right. Now, do you attribute that to your upbringing? Because um, I can see you're by yourself. Your siblings aren't there. And you're just doing what your dad tells you to do. And it's not about a connection with your dad. Um, yeah, I think it has a, 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 a part to do with it. Because you didn't learn that... Um, you didn't learn like how to play the game as a right, child. Right. And my mom, she tried to she tried to teach me. Right. You know, like when I got right. to college, she's like, baby, you need to Right. You need to um you need to get some friends outside of your circle. Right. And you know, kind of and I'm like, I don't know, whatever, mom. Yeah. You know, kind of <laughs> right. And yeah. my mom was a social butterfly. She okay. was just I mean, walk in a room and get along with everybody. Right. And me, look, my dad's talkative, my mom's talkative. All like all my siblings can talk and hold a conversation uh-huh. with you and you don't say a word. <laughs> right? right? So I'm the youngest. So my whole right. life, all I did was just sit back, be right. quiet, right? Right. Do what I'm supposed to right. do. And right. not that I couldn't talk, it's just that because uh, my siblings they give me they like they give me crap now. Right. Because they're like, why you you're so quiet? Or they're like, you know, you're so quiet and you know I'm like, when did I have time to talk? Right. And you they never, laugh. They're yeah. like, true, true. Yeah. So like I never had an opportunity right. to kind of interject. So right. um I maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I just wondered. I don't know. That's a great question. Okay. I never thought that. of it. Maybe. I don't know. I just thought in my mind, if you did your job and you did it well. Right. And that's all that's required for you right. to be recognized and move right. up the channel. Yeah. So now um, I just basically told my my like this was my plan. I was doing well. Like it didn't right. happen as fast. Right. But I'm like, so that kind of let me that put you know that that actually made me aware that I was more serious about. Um, pursuing a Navy SEAL career mm. than right. just eh, kind of filling it out. Right. Right? Um, because at the end of my shore duty, I was going to get out in the military. Okay. Regardless. I'm okay. Like, I'm going to get out. So now, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fully commit. I love the research that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I love their mission. I love what they're about. I'm going to fully commit, I'm going to train, and I'm going to pursue this. Wow. It finally clicked. Floyd was about to start a family, and he was going to do whatever it took to support them. 
he threw everything he had into the Navy SEALs program. First, I got to learn to swim. Yeah. Right? So all my life, I lift weights, I played basketball. I really hadn't ran over two miles, right? Like, I would crush the Navy's PR, like the physical readiness test. Right. Like, I would get the highest score every time. So, yeah, I'm in shape. I'm... Whatever, you can't, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So, the water... Yeah. Completely different element. Yes, it is. And I knew going in with the water what I was up against. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. What I didn't understand was the running and the, and the, the, the PT level of fitness, mm-hmm. calisthenics, the push-ups, the sit-ups, the pull-ups, the, you know, and then, and then the, the dynamics on, you know, running and then PTing or swimming and PTing or running and swimming and PTing, like the dynamics of being able to go in and do all of these um, modalities yeah. and what without um, losing any uh, intensity or energy, and, and just maxing out on each and every one as you're going from one to the other to the next. Like, So when I started to dive into really training, I it put me on my ass and it humbled me mm. because I realized I was not as good as I thought I was. Mm. Wow. Because I have a very high regard for my physicality, especially on the basketball court Mm -hmm. Um, and in the weight room, Mm -hmm. right? And I just thought that I was at a certain level. I wasn't even close. My first PT was three sets of, uh, it was uh, 15 push-ups, 20 sit-ups, three Mm pull-ups. And it was back to back to back. So you do... Right, you do fifteen push-ups, then you jump, drop down, do twenty sit-ups, and drop, jump up, and you do three pull-ups. And it was only three rounds. It took me about twenty minutes, 20, 25 minutes to do it, and I got done, and I'm drenched in sweat. Yeah. Right now, I could probably do it in five and don't even break a sweat. Oh wow! And I was like, "You got to begin." Then I had to go on a two-mile run. Oh golly. Right? So this was just week one. Oh. <laughs> and then for swimming, I literally, end up, so the 25-yard pool, I would jump in the deep end and get to the other, I won't say swim, I would just get to the other end <laughs> of the pool without stopping. Right. And I'd tread water. I knew if I stopped, I was sinking. I would drown. Oh, gosh. So literally, I would go from one end to the next, Right, and I'm breathing hard, and just I don't have the the, the capacity, mm-hmm. and I would rest to where I'm comfortable. Like, okay, I got enough energy to get to the end, and then I would right. So, 15 minutes swim, 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Right now, 15 minutes swim, I'll swim over half a mile. Oh my golly! So every day, and you were young then. I was young then. Well, this morning <laughs> I swam half a mile. Oh my golly! Half a mile. Um. So, but. The first week was 15 minutes every day. Second week was 20 minutes. Third week was 25. Fourth week was 30. And this didn't include the running and the swimming. I mean, um, this included the running and the PT. Okay. Because I still had a run and PT regimen. So it took me three months to get over the eyes burning, Mm. 
nose up your nose in your ear equilibrium like swallowing yeah. half your pool yeah. it took me three months to get comfortable with that and then it took me another three months to figure out okay my arm needs to do this my legs mm. need to do this so here it is six months from the time that i didn't know how to swim up until that point i'm taking the navy seal um physical screening test okay and you had to swim 500 yards in less than 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh my goodness. And I think I swam in like 12, 29 Oh, wow. Right? I do okay on the PT, cause you do 500 yard swim, then you do pull-ups, mm -hmm. max pull-ups, max push-ups, max sit-ups. Mm -hmm. And then you're on a one point five mile run, and pants and boots at the time that I went through. I'm gonna grab a tissue. Okay. So I crush, I crush the PT and run. Barely on the swim. The the the, the um, instructor. So now I, I pass, I put in my package, my command said, we're not letting you go until you serve two years. Oh. Right? Thank God. Because I needed that time. Mm -hmm. I needed that year and a half in order to prepare because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I was not ready. But, so now I had a year and a half to prepare. And that whole process really humbled me mm. because I had to basically build myself from the ground up mm -hmm. um, and I thought that I was at a place that I wasn't so when it when so but it drove me to be better mm -hmm. wow <clears throat> and you didn't know what you didn't know true you th you thought you were one thing but in reality it was something true. completely and different. in that world <clears throat> I probably was to a certain degree right right but still I wasn't where I needed to be in the Wow. Right. So now here it is. I'm 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 eating humility every day, right? Right. But I'm also eating. Um. I'm, but I'm still I'm hungry. Yeah. And I, I just want to get better and faster and stronger. And, and I'm just and, and and I'm I'm taking in as much information as I possibly mm -hmm. can. And I, and I just immerse myself into. The training, mm -hmm. like I would literally run like five, six miles, and then go to a basketball game, play in the game, and then take off. Wow! Run. Like that's the level of fitness that I I got to to. Wow! Like once you know, once I progressed, right? But there's still a lot that I don't know, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm in Naval Air Station, Patuxent River, Maryland, and there are no Navy SEALs. Oh, there okay. and not even close in that area. So I can't, one, I can't latch on to you if you're training and say, right. hey, let's, let's team right. up and let's push each other. Right. And yeah, and then two, I don't have another resource, mm -hmm. an actual resource right. who knows. Right. And this is, all the way up to two years until I went to went to Bud's, right? 
So, but I also had to make the decision. So no, I didn't have to make the decision then. So now at this point, my message to my peers and my leadership is, hey, I've rethought. Mm-hmm. I think the Navy could possibly be a career. Mm-hmm. And this is the road that I want to go. I want to be a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is my plan. Is it okay if I adjust my schedule in order to to train? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, can I do this in the morning and you know show up a little bit late and work a little bit later, or can I leave or show up early and, and leave early and train mm-hmm. or whatever? And they were like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I started getting. So now the 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 world is, you know, is actually not as bad as I, I thought, but it's right. helping me right move towards a, a yeah. positive, right. And your humility probably was very um, received well by them because it's a with your change in attitude. Changes everything. Yes, and they're yes. like, "Oh, sure, we'd love to help you." <laughs> but they, but they saw the work being put in. Yes, right. Yes. Because it's like, look, you have to care more about your goals than right. everybody else, mm. right? And you have to bring a plan to your leaders, mm. right? Not wait for them. Not say, "Hey, I want to do this." Okay, how do I do it? Right. So I was like, hey, look, this is what I want to do. And to let them know that I was serious, I had already mapped out, hey, this is my thought process. And they were like, okay, all right. And then they sat back and saw me training. They saw me doing this. They saw me, right? So it was like, so then I started to get the support. But not only that, I'm also positively representing Mm -hmm. them. Right. Yes. Right, which is a lesson I still had learned at that time. Mm. Floyd had figured it out. The answer had been there all along, gently instilled in him by his mother. But it didn't make sense for the longest time. Floyd was used to showing up and outperforming everyone in the room. But life demanded even more than that. As he built a career and started a family, he learned that he needed to connect with the people around him in the same way that he had a lot to offer them. They offered a lot to him, too. Thanks again for listening to Kaval the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures in podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavapodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. 
we want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.